0: Our passage this morning comes from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 8, verses 1 through 18. Uh, before I read our passage, let us go to the Lord in prayer that he bless the reading and preaching of his word. Our Father and our God, we come again before you this morning in the name of Christ. We come to sit at the feet of the evangelist Luke. We come to hear those words that you infallibly inspired to him by your Holy Spirit we ask that these words would be received in the like manner, that you would give us your Holy Spirit, uh, that we might receive these words unto good ground, and that we might bring the fruit of your word unto to perfection. We ask, Your Lord, that, uh, that this word would produce the fruits of repentance from our sin, from uh, a lazy sort of receiving of your word. That this word would produce fruit of faith and trust in Jesus Christ and an earnestness to serve him. And that this fruit would produce the fruit of our assurance of your mercy to us in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Here now the reading of God's holy word from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 8, verses 1 through 18. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. Substance. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bore fruit a hundredfold. And when he said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter may see the light, for nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever, and his people said, Amen. We have here the first of uh, the parables that Luke gives in, in great detail. This, uh, Luke is arranging uh, many things according to topic and, uh, and, and, and relevant to one section or another. Uh, if, if we remember, uh, I've said this many times, uh, most ministers say this ad nauseum, uh, the, the chapter and verse divisions are of later date, uh, that the the fact that this, we are beginning an eighth chapter is a somewhat arbitrary uh, notification. Just makes the the Bible easier to handle when we have it divided up for us. Uh, modern Bibles do the same with the subject headings in various and different places or paragraphs. Paragraphs aren't in the original text either. Um, the, uh, you know they just wrote and started writing and filled up the page and kept going until they stopped. Um, but the, I say this because sometimes we, we think we've turned a chapter, and just like in a modern book, we've turned a chapter, therefore we have a new subject and a new train of thought. But this is not the case, that Jesus is still, uh, in, in Luke's narrative, he is putting these things together because there is an organic connection between what he told the crowds after the disciples of John the Baptist left that John the Baptist was the greatest of all preachers, but some heard uh, with and justified God and were baptized. And some heard the scribes and the lawyers, chapter 7, verse 30, uh, despised the word of God against them and were not baptized. And he tells them that wisdom is justified of her children. And then we have the section in, uh, that we looked at last week, uh, beginning in 736, where the Pharisee, Simon the Pharisee, Not a despiser of Jesus at this time, uh, but not one that gave him common courtesies that thought to have him at his meal and was doing Jesus a favor. And the woman that was a notorious sinner, coming with her ointment and showing Christ in a very uh, vivid and self-denying way, those courtesies that Simon had denied him and. And that love that she showed gave evidence that the grace there was, was full and, and motivated by gratitude for forgiveness of sins. And so we come here, then, a parable about the different ways that the word is heard. The way the word is heard uh, is different in a crowd. It's different in a congregation that many people are there in, in ways that are closer to the wayside hearer than are the good soil hearers. And then there are some things in between, the rocky ground hearer and the thorny ground hearer. Uh, there, there might be all of these sorts of variations. One of the things that caused a great deal, and sometimes if we're honest, some, uh, calls us to scratch our head a bit, is the different ways that people react to Christ Jesus. The different ways that people react to the gospel. Now, in Mark and Matthew's narration of this, uh, we see that, uh, that the, a little bit larger variation, because on the good ground itself is divided up between 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Luke, This doesn't suit Luke's purpose, not that he changes the parable in any real way, uh, but he is focusing on uh, and telling this with a particular point to underline. Uh, And and that is the necessity of fruitfulness. And the fruitfulness is therefore indicative of the way the word was heard in the first place. That the division is not necessarily, as one might look at the previous uh, narration... The difference between the sinner woman, the woman of ill repute who was nevertheless grateful and, and, and showed her love to Jesus Christ and Simon the Pharisee, the, the, the wealthy one. And we get this in chapter 7, verse 29 and 28. The, the, the common people and the publicans, you know, they were the ones that justified God. They knew their need of him. They were baptized for repentance of sins. The Pharisees and the lawyers were self-satisfied and didn't believe God's condemnation of them and were not baptized. So one could look at this, and many people, particularly in the 20th century, when we've had this idea that economics explains everything, that here is some sort of a class struggle. That the, the wealthy rejected Christ. He's speaking against the wealthy and he's speaking for the poor. Now, it is true that the poor have less delusions about their need and are, as Jesus himself will say, more open to the kingdom of heaven. And that the wealthy have many obstacles, and were it not for the grace of God, it would be impossible for them to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And yet it's important that we note that this section here is prefaced by a note of those that followed Jesus, and these were not. Uh, unremarkable women. You had the woman of ill repute previously, but that was not the only type of woman that followed Jesus around. That you had uh, Mary Magdalene, who was delivered of evil spirits, but of a woman of substance to, uh, substance to help out and fund the ministry of Jesus Christ. You have Joanna, the wife of Cusa, a high, the, the steward of Herod's household. This was a high place a wealthy and political uh, patronage. Uh, You have Susanna, who's known only by her name here, and yet must have been known in um, the early church as a woman of means. Uh, And this is uh, that that what distinguishes those that receive the word and justify God isn't, isn't their external circumstances, but something internal. And it's known by the fruits. The word is received differently by different hearts. That is, the, uh, that is the point of the parable. When he says the parable, he gives the key to its interpretation in the, the loud cry that he gives at the end in verse 8. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. By saying this, he's declaring plainly that there are some that are hearing that are not hearing with ears. And his disciples are curious, and they ask him about it in verse 9. And, uh, and this, these disciples are maybe more than the apostles, the 12, that, uh, that he's, he's bringing to himself those that are going deeper into what he has said, and he's opening it unto them. Unto you it is giving to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to other in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now this seems to be a bit harsh. To us but we need to understand that this is the language of judgment he is quoting uh, isaiah chapter 6 and if you look in isaiah chapter 6 isaiah chapter 6 is the call of isaiah uh, to the the work of the prophet uh, in verse in the first verses you have that vision in the the temple of the seraphim that are declaring holy 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 uh, unto the lord of hosts and uh, the lord in verse 8 says whom shall I sin, and who will go for us? And Isaiah, having been purified by the cold, says, Here I am I, send me. And this is what he told Isaiah. Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, And make their ears heavy, And shut their eyes, Lest they see with their eyes, And hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Not to say that the Lord wasn't warning them, and warning them in good measure, and warning them in mercy. But there was a judgment. That these are people that shouldn't have had a prophet necessary to come unto them. They had the law of God. They had the ministry. They had the the Levites and the priests to teach the people. They had the king that was supposed to read the law of God and to know it and to make sure that it was upheld, that the judges and the elders in every town were to uphold the will of God, and yet they refused to hear. And so when he sends a prophet amongst them, they do not hear. This is the pattern throughout the Old Testament. The Old Testament, we, we forget sometimes we focus on the, the faithfulness of the people that are at the center of the narration or the center of the prophecy. And we forget that these are people that were despised in their own day more often than not. That uh, the, the Bible's message to the kingdom of God is you are sinning and you are going astray and you are incurring my wrath. This is what Paul brings in in Romans chapter 3 when he summarizes the teaching of Scripture, the teaching of the Old Testament. And it's all, you're a bunch of wicked people going to hell. Romans three ten through whatever. And, and he tells us that this is intentional, that we all might know that we have nothing to stand upon except God's grace. This is given... Though this, this differentiate is given to, to punish the, the wicked heart, God often punishes sin by handing us over to the sin. If you're stubborn and don't want to hear, well then I'm going to teach you in a way that you won't hear, unless you give uh, heed to it. In Second Corinthians chapter four, verses three through five, Paul writes, "If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost." And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves servants for Christ's sake. Uh, We preach Christ, and if they can't see Christ, it is because they will refuse it. But it's also given in parables. That the world, that it might be evident who has received the glorious mercy. Note the language of Jesus. He's not commending those that hear, those his disciples who are curious for their own ingenuity and their own spiritual insight. He says unto them in verse 10 To you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, To you, it is a grace. To you, uh, you have received much. Therefore, love much would be part of the implication from the previous passage. Like, uh, again, as I mentioned before, uh, in verse 29 of chapter 7, and all the people that heard the public, excuse me, and all the people that heard and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. And I mentioned to you that uh, the Greek actually implies that these two verses are not uh, G- uh, Luke's comment on the, what Jesus has just said, but part of what Jesus is saying, that he's saying that uh, the John the Baptist reception... Uh, was notable, and God was glorified, and those that admitted they were sinners and were baptized. And those that thought themselves above that sort of thing were despising the law of God. But this was a grace. This was a mercy. Uh, In 2 Corinthians, again, just a little bit earlier, chapter 2, verses 14-14, Uh, Through 16, now thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor or the flavor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are not unto God, for we are unto God, a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and also them that perish. To one we are the savor of death unto death and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? When the word is heard, the word does its work. It does its work sometimes uh, in separating the the sheep from the goats. It does its work by separating those that have received mercy from those that haven't. But it does, it is received differently. And it reveals the secrets of men's hearts. Verse 16, uh, in in Matthew, and, and the question is sometimes... Uh, are they describing different times and different places? Uh, Matthew is recording uh, just as Luke is recording. Uh, Luke is recording through tradition. Luke wasn't one of the disciples in the ministry of Jesus. Matthew was. Uh, Mark pro- was not one of the 12 disciples, but Mark was there present with some of the ministry of Jesus Christ, particularly in Judea. Uh, but nonetheless, they're all inspired by the Holy Spirit to give an accurate presentation of his teaching. Uh, but it is almost certainly true that Jesus uh, uses, and we see this sometimes in the uh, Gospel of, of Matthew particularly, the same parable, or at least the, the elements of the same parable in more than one situation. And, and also, these are all epitomes of what he taught. And, and so each of the Gospel writers takes a bit and, and summarizes in a way that emphasizes certain points. And Luke clearly takes this, this bit about the candle uh, and, and the secrets make, being made known and taking heed how you hear as elements of this, as uh, a further explanatory of this parable, that the word will reveal the secrets of men's hearts, that the fruits will be made known. And this reflects and and. Doubles back on 7.35, wisdom is justified of her children, that the word is known by its fruit. That even though we can't see within the hearts of each person that hears the word, every time people gather to hear the, the, the reading and preaching of the word, every time the word is cast forth into the world and there are those to hear, it's received differently, but it's not secret unto God at all. But it's not something that will be hidden from us either. It's not something uh, there are... I don't think that there's any around here, so I'm not trying to pick on anybody in particular. There are a group called the Two Seed and the Spirit, uh, primitive church folks, and they have this idea that there's a secret seed in everybody, one of the devil, one of Christ, and it brings forth. It has some similarities to election and reprobation, but it's much more fatalistic. And, and the notion is that that these things are secret until the end of time. Well, we could see how that would destroy any sort of assurance. Uh, if, if I can't even know whether I belong to the Lord, then what's the point of anything? That's not what this means. Uh, Jesus is giving this as a warning, but it also is taking away the excuses that we might have. And, and he's saying that, yes, the word goes forth, and it accomplishes things. But they don't accomplish secret things. That it changes hearts and these things will be made manifest. And so this parable, and Mark in Mark chapter 4 tells us this parable is important for understanding all the parables, is, uh, is programmatic to us about understanding the power of the word. Uh, the parable, by the way, doesn't address despisers of the world. So we're not dealing with people like uh, that would just write Jesus off as one who is prophesying or casting out devils in the name of Beelzebub. We're not dealing with those that would, uh, would belittle God. We are dealing with people like this Pharisee who may not have given Jesus much of, uh, of his heart or any of his heart, but nevertheless entertained and was willing to hear what he spoke. This parable is is in effect every time the word is proclaimed. That we have now, as we gather together, a situation where this parable is viable and is at work. And so let's look at it. Now, you know, when I preached through Matthew uh, 10 years ago, more, uh, we went through each of the... The soils. We're not going to do that. We're going to look at them briefly because Luke gives them in a little bit more briefer way. Uh, but we have this in verses 12 and, and following. This is, well, verse 11, he says, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are those that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rocky rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and they have no root, which for a while believe, and in time a temptation fall away. And they which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So we have these four different grounds and the first one is uh, thoughtless hearts. That's the picture there. Uh, the ground is, you know, when you see the pictures of a dirt road and you have the two tracks on the road, because we, we, we deal with real vehicles uh, for a long, long time now, and those that packed, packed, packed heavy, and no grass grows there, no seed can, to, can gain soil there, and uh, e- any seed that would be there would be easy pickings for the birds. That's the picture. The picture is one that is ugh, terribly common. And Jesus says, these thoughtless hearers, what they end up doing is feeding the devil their salvation. The word is there and they have no real uh, concern for it. They've heard it because these are not despisers of the word. They sat through a sermon. They, they went to Jesus to hear him, but they walked out and that was their hour spent or whatever. And it just sits there. And the devil is free to go and and take it away, that it might never bear root, that it might never uh, grab hold of the person. Uh, it is a thoughtless sort of hearing of the word, a hard heart, if you will. But but understand, the picture is not, as I mentioned, not a despiser of the word. It's somebody like you or me that hears but their mind is somewhere else completely. They hear, but they're not at all interested. They hear because this is what you're supposed to do. Don't really understand why this is what I'm supposed to do, but it's what I'm supposed to do, and so I'll do it. I don't know the. the, I I was reading an article that talked about the first Korean dictator, Kim Jong-something or another, Uh, who was raised in a Christian family. Uh, But his mother, he asked why they were coming to hear the sermon. She says, I go here to rest, and I take my nap. This is the heart. The devil comes and takes away uh, the seed that is sown. Then we have the sown upon the rock. Uh, Matthew calls it the rocky ground. What is meant is that which the bedrock comes right up to uh, the surface and there may be a thin layer of dirt uh, for the seed to, to kind of sprout as it gets a little moisture uh, in the, Matthew and uh, Mark's... Uh, uh, Account The sun plays a bit more prominent role. It springs up and the heat of the sun burns it up. Uh, Luke just uh, focuses on the fact that it has no roots. And then when troubles come, that uh, it, it flees away. And the image here is, I mean, they do hear the word with joy. They, they receive it. They've gone to the, the Billy Graham crusade and their life is changed in, for a week or two. Because they're rootless hearers. And the faith that they seemingly have is as fleeting as their emotions. This is, this is clearly what Luke tells us. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy and they have no root. Which for a while believe in time of temptation or trial or trouble they fall away. John tells us in 1 John 2.19. They went out from us because they were not part of us. There is that which seems to be faith that is only temporary. That is, has its basis not in the eternal promises and the word of God, but has its basis on the emotional hearing of it. The the, I go to church to feel good. I go to church to catch the spirit and the spirit isn't the Holy Spirit working conviction in our hearts. But it's that emotional cheerleading and and high that that endorphins that we receive when we've been thrilled by something that is said. And of course, emotions are fleeting things. Good emotions are nevertheless fleeting things. And we do not build a life upon emotions. And we do not build the truth upon emotions. Jesus said, if you will follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. If we are going to build our faith upon emotions, we have to take into account the fact that our faith needs to be able to carry crosses. We need to be able to count the cost. It needs to be emotions that presently in our present world are repulsive. Our present world has no place for sorrow and shame and contrition. But if you are going to deny yourself and take up a cross, you will be carrying those things. There are many that receive the word as one seed among many seeds. In verse 14. And they which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to to perfection. This is serving two masters. Matthew says, or excuse me, Luke says, or Jesus says, and it's quoted by Luke in chapter 16, verse 13 and 15. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You shall cannot serve God and mammon. The Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are, the, are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your heart. For that which is highly esteemed amongst men is an abomination in the sight of God that we think that we can fit our faith into a world of pleasure and consumerism and a world of, of distractions. We think we can uh, schedule our, 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 our church going and our, our acts of piety, our almsgiving in the midst of, of an SEC schedule or a, a hunting thing or a shopping thing or a TV guide thing. And we find ultimately... That, that the word is the thing that keeps getting sacrificed. That we let the word go, instead of the pleasures go. John, in that same letter I mentioned earlier, First John chapter two, verses fifteen through seventeen, speaks to this: Love not the word world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of his father is not in him. For that all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh or the desires of the body. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the desires thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Notice that John in that passage is not saying, making a moral statement uh, directly about those desires of the world. But he tells us that they are vanities that they cannot satisfy. And if we make them do what they cannot do, then we will be miserable. You know, we have gone through as a culture, as a society, as a community, going on three years now, of great upheaval. And we've seen in real time the vanity of things we used to think were certainties. And they have just vanished away. Unfortunately, we've seen that with that vanishing away, people have vanished also from the community of faith. Because it wasn't what they thought it was. God is a jealous God. And he will not be one God amongst many gods. And when we hear the word as... One little bit of advice amongst a plethora of worldly advice. We take the majesty of God and we make him a creature. And we elevate the creatures and we make them equal with God. And we hear the word amiss and it gets choked. Sincere hearing, hearing that is good and honest heart or uh, a good and pure heart. Is hearing produces fruit with patience. That word there is intentional. It's not automatic. It's not easy. Uh, The other, uh, Mark and Matthew uh, tell us that the fruit has various and sundry uh, yields, some 30, some 60, some 100, that implying that the other three grounds are even in the pure heart. That there are things that we have to work at. That we have to plow up that hard, shallow, thoughtless heart. We have to uh, dig deep uh, the, the rocky heart. We have to prune out the thorny hearts. That these are things that we need to make sure that we're doing in order to heal the, hear the word aright. It's not that there's this good ground in the midst of a bunch of bad ground. It's that God has reached to somebody, and in the gratitude and love, they are giving serious attention now to the word. And because they give serious attention, it produces fruit. Honesty and purity. Sincere. Uh, with, with no intention of finding a loophole around whatever the word is. You're not going to come to the word seeking a way out. You're coming as a sinner unto the God who saves sinners. And you're not going to hide your heart from him, but you're going to let the word do its work amongst you. Hearts that magnify the power of the word, give evidence that it's heard right. In chapter 7, verse 47, Jesus says to Simon, Wherefore I say unto thee, Simon, her sins, which are many, are forgiven her, for she loved much. Then he turns to him and he says, But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. You, Simon, have not loved me, and you have not known forgiveness. In the same way, Your heart is not the heart that produces a hundredfold. Jesus tells us then to take heed, therefore, how you hear. Verse 18, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Jesus warns us to hear the word of right. He doesn't give this parable, by the way, that we might note intellectually that there are four types of hearers. Are, are six types of hearers, perhaps, that there are good ground hearers and bad ground hearers and go away, he gives this parable that we might be warned, just like the Ninevites in the day of Jonah. They weren't told that their city would be destroyed in 40 days just so that they could know that what was coming to them. They were given that information, and Jonah knew this, that they might repent. And so Jesus warns us in this parable... He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. <clears throat> Many have a seeming grace that is no grace. Many come. Simon the Pharisee, I will put to you, seemed to be one of the supporters of Jesus Christ. After all, he invited him to eat with him. He wasn't one of those spreading rumors about him casting out devils by the power of Beelzebub. He wasn't there casting aspersions upon Jesus Christ. His doubts he kept to himself. But that was no grace. There are others that Jesus says in Matthew seven twenty-one through 31. There will be many at that day. Lord, Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we do not do mighty works in your name? Did we, might, did we not preach in your name? And he will say unto them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never do you. There will be many that are bearing no fruit that think they have the right of the fruit. But at the same time, even small graces, the common folk, the publican, the woman of ill repute, even small grace will flourish through perseverance and trial and produce and bring forth fruit unto perfection So what we ought to do is to seek to hear with a good and honest heart. That requires humility. It requires a ready repentance. That when we are called sinners, we don't back up defensively, but we ask for forgiveness. It requires prayer because you and I are not able to change our spots. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us new life. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us good and honest hearts. And so we must pray to receive that gift. It is given to you, says Jesus in verse 10, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. We must pray and ask to receive if we haven't. But we also remember that the harvest will be great. And Luke emphasizes this by getting rid of the, the various uh, folds of the fruit and just says, goes to the fullness The fruit of the word ultimately and in its completion will be a hundredfold. This is the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ to those that give attention to his word. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you this morning in the name of Christ, and we ask that you would cause this word to be planted deeply within our hearts, and that you would root out every distraction that you would dig deep every shallow uh, rootlessness that we have, and that you would soften our hard hearts, that we might not go away forgetful, that we might not go away feeding Satan with the blessings that you have given to us, but that we might go bearing fruit to the glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.